0: Please be seated. (laughs) Leah and I have been watching The Crown. Have any of you been watching the series, uh, The Crown, on Netflix? Yeah, it's a great show. It's a great show, we're big fans. Um, One of the things that that series will do is jump around, but occasionally other series will do this too, I'm sure it's not unique to The Crown, but the the scene will open and all of a sudden um, Queen Elizabeth II's father, Albert, George V, or George VI rather, um, as king, is still alive. And it throws you for a minute, you're like, what's going on? Uh, This guy died years ago. Why, why, do we, why are we seeing them again? And it'll turn out that it's a reflection uh, or a memory of um, Queen Elizabeth thinking about her dad and thinking about something that's really important to the theme of the show, right? And that kind of sets everything from that point forward. You know, the, the liturgical calendar l- does the same thing. Sometimes the, our frustration and confusion, if we're not paying attention, Um, And the presentation of our Lord is one of those. What are we doing all of a sudden here with Jesus as an infant again, right? After all, last week he was walking around, casting out demons. And now all of a sudden, here he is being brought to the temple as an infant again. And we have to ask ourselves, we have to work a little bit and think, what is scripture trying to tell us? What is the lectionary trying to set up for us? So, my first word for you today is, don't be lazy. (laughs) If you come to church regularly, it'll make sense. If you're paying attention, think about it. Just think back the last few weeks. We're here at the end of Epiphany. What's going on in the season of Epiphany? Epiphany. Well, Jesus has been worshipped by the nations, right? The three wise men come. Well, we don't know if they're three or not, but they present three gifts anyway. And then we've got the calling of Philip and Nathanael. And then there's the story of the calling of Peter and James the next week. And then we heard about spiritual and sexual darkness from Corinthians, right? And then, of course, last week... Father Sean's preached on Jesus casting out a demon from a man who was possessed. What's the theme? What's going on? See, that's what we should be coming to the readings asking ourselves, not just kind of, oh, what, you know, here's the reading this week, and it's disconnected from everything else in life. What's going on? Well, I want to propose to you three things going on. Number one, we see... Week in and week out during Epiphany, God promises to shine light into darkness through Jesus. So God promises to shine light into darkness in Jesus. Number two, God calls us to follow in Jesus. God calls us to follow in Jesus. And number three, God promises to purify us in Jesus. So if you want to make shorthand of that, God promises to shine light, God calls us to follow, God promises to purify. And those three themes run throughout the season of Epiphany and are also present here today. If you have your Bibles, will you open with me to Luke chapter 2, the Gospel reading. It's also on your insert. But if you have your Bibles today, it's going to be... Advantageous to you, because you can look outside what's going on in the lectionary. I know a novel idea, bring your Bible to church, right? But as Anglicans, that's not against the law for us, despite what some think. All right, as we look at Luke chapter two, we're flashing back to Jesus as an infant, and he's being presented. the temple. Well, what does that mean? I asked my Sunday school class that this morning, and they said, well, it means that he's being shown forth as the Savior. Pretty darn good. Some parents have been doing a great job. Many people confuse the circumcision and naming with Jesus with his presentation, but as a matter of fact, they're not the same thing. Although it seems like it if you don't know the Old Testament. So if you look at Luke chapter 2, look just ahead of today's gospel at verse 21 and what's going on. I'll read it for you. And at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Verse 22 and when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now here's some technical stuff, so stick with me. There's 72 days between verse 21 and verse 22. you see? You don't know that looking at Luke's gospel because you're not a good Jew. But a good Jew would look back at the Old Testament and get that immediately and say, oh, okay, this was the circumcision at eight days, and 72 days later is the presentation. Now, I don't want you to flip to it, because that gets old flipping around, but if you want to, it's, it's Leviticus chapter 12, verse 6. In the Old Testament, in the law, we get what's going on with the presentation and the purification of Mary. Let me just read it for you. Verse 6, Leviticus 12. When the days of her purification are completed, for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the doorway of the tent of meeting a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or turtle dove for a sin offering. Then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her, and she shall be cleansed from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, whether male or female. But if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her, and she will be clean. Okay, Leviticus 12. So that's the law that they're adhering to. What's going on? We have to ask ourselves. Again, stick with me. I know this is technical, but it really is incredible as to who Jesus is. One of the things we see in the Old Testament is that there's these customs that have to deal with cleanliness and uncleanliness according to the ceremonial law. What's unclean about birth? Is God saying that somehow birth is sinful? No, quite the opposite, in fact. You see, the sacrifice is to show the sacredness of the mother and of birth, of new life. Life is precious and valuable to God. And this is in contrast to what goes on in the pagan time in the pagan ceremonies of the time of the Old Testament. What would happen in the pagan ceremonies is that oftentimes, in order to celebrate the birth of your first child, you would sacrifice that child to the god of fertility. So Baal was one of these gods. And you know your first child would go down the chute into the fiery furnace of Baal. And thanks for, for um, fertility. God is saying, no, not so. In fact, this is something to be set aside and made holy and to be bought back by me as God. Okay? So the sacrificial system going on in the Old Testament law is not the child. It's a lamb or two turtle doves. Why? To show the value of life. Life to show the value of life that's been given by God. Don't miss that, otherwise the rest of this doesn't make sense. What's going on with the presentation? Because we continue to to look at at, uh, Luke 2.23. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Again, we return to roots in the Old Testament. So there's two things going on here, right? I'm sorry if I wasn't clear about this. The first part is the purification of the mother. The second part is the presentation of the child, Both of which are considered sacred and and are celebrated with God. So the presentation is actually something that God commands Moses and his people to do before they cross the Red Sea. Also important, right? The Red Sea's symbolism for baptism. This is from Exodus 13, verse 11. Now, when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and to your fathers, and gives it to you, you shall devote to the Lord the first offspring of every womb, and the first offspring of every beast that you own. The males belong to the Lord. But every first offspring of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. But if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And it shall be when, you, when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this? Then you shall say to him, With a powerful hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. It came about when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of the man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord the males, the first offspring of every womb, but every firstborn of my sons I redeem. So what's going on there? Again, it's the value about being part of God's people, do you see? That being set free costs a price. That being transferred from the kingdom of darkness, from Pharaoh and slavery, through into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of light, is not a bloodless act in the Old Testament or the New. The presentation of Jesus is a sign of God's mercy. It's a sacramental and symbolic act. It reminds the Israelites that their firstborns were spared because God loved his people that much. But their being spared had a price. The blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb. In Jesus' case, his parents were so poor that they couldn't even supply the lamb. And so we just have them taking two turtledoves. But this is God's foreshadowing, friends. Do you see it? Do you see the law being fulfilled and foreshadowing who Jesus is? Showing forth how he's the Savior? Hebrews 10.1 says the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. And so we see that God promises to shine light into the darkness. And God set up a system of purification and presentation to show the value of new life and to show how much he values his people and to what ends he's going to go to rescue them. In addition to the law, this is also a prophecy fulfilled. Did you catch it with the first reading that we read today? Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. What's going on in the first reading? Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts. But there's a supreme irony in this presentation also being that person isn't there just as there was back with the circumcision it's not Jesus that needs the sacrifice it's we it's God's people who need the sacrifice and in fact the person for whom this sacrifice is supposed to be made here at the presentation actually is the sacrifice in order to present us to God Do you see the irony going on in Luke's Gospel? Here it is again. The Old Testament pointing the way to Jesus. That's why it's so important to know the Old Testament, not just the New. Jesus fulfills this law, but he makes a new law. He makes the law of love, which takes us to the next point. God makes good on his promise to set us free from darkness. He fulfills the Malachi reading. Jesus is presented to be redeemed, but he, in fact, is the Redeemer. Jesus presents God to the world and the world to God. Simeon and the prophetess Anna voice this well. Picture the scene here. What's going on? Here, Mary and Joseph are doing their dutiful thing, obeying the law, bringing their child to be presented, bringing Mary to be purified. And all of a sudden, there's something that goes on off script. It'd be like if you were up here having a baptism with your son or daughter, and all of a sudden, some dude walks in, and he starts exclaiming, the new It's all in the words of Simeon. Look, At Luke 2, 28 through 32, particularly. He took up the child in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, you're now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in all the presence in the presence rather of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people. Israel. Do you see how Simeon is voicing who Jesus is, as my Sunday school class wonderfully said, the Savior of the world? The whole thing seems a little odd, yes, and yet it's God underlining what's going on here through his prophet, Simeon. A light to the Gentiles is to be Jesus. And the glory of Israel is who Jesus is. But it doesn't end there, does it? Continue reading, verse 33 through 35. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. What's Simeon referring to here? The crucifixion already. This child that's had the sacrifice on its behalf, or is supposed to have the sacrifice on its behalf, is going to be the sacrifice at the crucifixion. And why? Why? So that we can be presented to God, and finally, so that we can be purified. That's the third point. God promises to purify us in Jesus. Again, we look back to Malachi, the first reading, chapter 3, verse 3. He will sit. As a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. You see, God promises to purify his people, you and me. In our sinfulness, we might even look at this and say, Boy, that's a threat. Right? I don't want to be purified we might say. And in fact, it would be scary if in fact we didn't trust in the personhood and the goodness of God. That our purifications for our benefit. You see, you can't meet Jesus and remain unchanged. It's impossible. There's many people that think that you can. There's many people that might even claim to have. But if in fact they've met Jesus, if in fact they have the Holy Spirit, they cannot stay where they are. He drives us to be pure, to be holy, to be like Him. Promises are hard to wait for, and the process isn't easy. Again, Earlier today, I used the object lesson of making popcorn on the stove with the Sunday school class. You ever make popcorn in the old style with the the pot that you crank, right? And I was teaching them, good things come to those who wait, right? This is hard to wait, but it's so much better than microwave popcorn. Seems trivial to compare sanctification to microwave popcorn, but... (laughs) or even old-fashioned popcorn. But in a sense, it gets the point across, right? That sometimes it's hard to wait, but the promise is there. The purification will happen. We will be presented, we are in fact now, presented before God in Jesus and the purification, the sanctification will be ongoing and it will be for our benefit because God loves us so much. He loves us too much to leave us where we are even if that's comfortable. Look at our epistle reading. Chapter 2 verse 14 of Hebrews. Since, therefore, the children share in in flesh and blood, he, that is Jesus himself, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who, through the fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery. You see, that's the reality of being left where you are. You might think you're free, but matter of fact, you're enslaved. And you fear death. And you should. But it's also a reminder that in Jesus, that's not who you are. That's not who I am. In purifying, in his promise of purification, he will not leave us where we are. And he's also not going to be careless about how he does it. Because the good news, friends, is that He is here to save us. He is here to call us. He is here to purify us, not us to do it for ourselves. Again, finishing off the Hebrews 2 reading, verse 18 and 19 reads this way. For because he himself, that is Jesus, has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. You see, he hasn't left us on our own. He doesn't ask you to do something that he hasn't faced or that he will not be with you in. These things that we're called to in Epiphany are not actions of our own, but they are responses to the action of God. What's our response? It's a joyful act to wait on promises. Did you know that? To allow Jesus' light to shine in our hearts, to be looking with expectation as Simeon and Anna were, is a joyful response to the love of God. But do we look at it that way? Are we reading God's word and the Bible individually? Are we resting in his promises? Are you anxious? Are you filled with anxiety? It's probably because you're not leaning in to your Savior enough. Go back. Lead into your Savior. That's our response to His act of love. It's a joyful act to be willingly purified. Let me say that again. It's a joyful act to be willingly purified. It's hard, it's difficult, but we have God's promise that He will not let us go. And as we look forward here to the season of Lent, I ask you, are you prepared? Because Lent is that traditional time in the church year where we look at God's purification of us and reflect upon it. What's the Holy Spirit calling you to deal with this week and in the upcoming weeks of Lent? Ask Him. He'll tell you. You might not like it, but He'll tell you. Ask Him in your prayers. Ask him as you read his word. How are you looking to purify me, Lord? What area of my heart are you looking to shine your light into? What part of my life is dark? What part of my life is full of bondage and gloom? You know, we lit candles at the beginning of the service today, and the symbolism is that we're to take the light of Christ and do what with it? Hide it under a bushel? No. Somebody got it. Thanks, Emily. We're to let it shine. We're to let it shine in our hearts, in those dark recesses that we'd rather not have it shine, if we're honest. We're to let it shine there. We're to let it shine in the world through us, to a people who are living in darkness and bondage and slavery and don't even know it. Don't even know it. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. He's presented you to the Father. Present him to others. Amen.